Our guest in this hour is an adjunct professor at UCLA Law School, a litigation partner at a Los Angeles firm, and he volunteers as National Director of Public Affairs for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community USA. He serves as one of the leaders of Baitul Hamid Mosque, which is in Chino, San Bernardino County's largest mosque. His academic work and scholarship focuses on transnational legal studies, comparative constitutional law, Islam, and human rights. He's written extensively about minority rights and Muslim-majority nations as an expert on anti-blasphemy laws and international religious freedom. He's regularly testified before the United States Congress on the subject as well. More than a pleasure to have Amjad Mahmoud Khan joining us. Amjad, good afternoon and welcome. Thanks for having me, Leslie. Um, Amjad, I came to know about you not only because people were quoting you after the attack last week in San Bernardino, but I heard you on, um, I think it was NPR or something, being interviewed. And you were saying some things that other leaders in the Muslim community were not. And, and that's, uh, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. There are many. And thank you for joining us in this hour in case you're wondering, why would she want me? <laughs> so, so now you know. Um, uh, first of all, uh, Amjad, when I hear Muslim Americans are bracing for retaliation, the Muslim community you know, is uh, you know, fearful of retaliation, when the media is saying this over and over, do you feel that helps or hurts those in your community, in the Muslim community? In other words, my husband and I were looking at each other when we heard that in the car the other day and thought, well, you're giving some of the wackos ideas. I agree with that. I think that on balance, uh, the portrayal that uh, that Muslims are, are facing or about to embrace a backlash and the presumption that that backlash is already here or it's happening is a bit overstated. And, and that amplification, that rhetoric, I think, contributes to a security issue and may perhaps embolden others to act in a manner that is consistent with the non-reality. Um, you know, I know having you know, belonging to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Muslims who believe in the Messiah, Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, been in San Bernardino County all my life, um, largest mosque there. We haven't seen overt, you know, threats um, or, or sort of unusual backlash. Um, obviously, we are... Although, Amjad, you may not know about this because this just happened hours ago. There is a sixth grader uh, in uh, one of the five boroughs of New York, I think it is in the Bronx, who was beaten. Uh, this is a sixth grade girl who was wearing hijab, allegedly. She was beaten because she's Muslim, and they ripped off her hijab. It's being investigated. The boys are not just being disciplined normally. Their parents are getting lawyers because this could be considered a hate crime and uh, goes beyond just normal disciplinary action in a school. And I say that because you're not in the media like me. You can't expect it to know everything going on, you know, every second. Um, but uh, so, so you're, say, you're saying that the backlash is is, you know, not increased uh, since Paris and San Bernardino? And I say that because there are others in the community that, that say the opposite. Well, no, I, I don't mean to say there isn't, there isn't increased backlash. I just mean to say that, that in terms of our own community and, the commu- you know, what I'm seeing with our 1,200-plus congregation, I haven't seen anything overt. That's not to in any way minimize what I think is a real issue, which is an increased backlash. I think there are, are more and more, there's an uptick of, violent acts against some American Muslims. And, you know, I, as a lawyer who represents pro bono, many American Muslims who are suffering from hate crimes, and I've worked with many organizations about this, I'm keenly, astutely aware of 
the, the, the potential for hate crimes and decry it vehemently. But I, I think to your point, um, which you began with, it, it's, it's the presumption that the backlash is already here and it's in San Bernardino County that I take a little bit of a, uh, exception to. And I, I think the, the reality is somewhere in between. I think there is an uptick in violence, an uptick in hate crimes. I think American Muslims um, Islamophobia is at an all-time high. I think the 56% of Americans have a disfavorable view of Islam. Most of them, however, haven't met a Muslim. But I think that there is, there is a real problem here in terms of scapegoating or casting aspersions on an entire community. And I think the president's address went a long way to, to dispel that um, last night. Um, but my point is that beyond that issue, which is, I think, a real issue we should have a conversation about, I'm more interested in, in what is the reaction in terms of an action plan from the American Muslim community. And that's and why, that and, and I'm glad you said that, because that's, that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Um, there are people out there, Amjad, as you know, that say the Muslim community needs to condemn this. Leaders in the Muslim community or the Muslim world. Now, after the attacks in Paris and in San Bernardino, um, I, he- I heard that, and we had leaders on this show. We saw leaders on national television. We uh, heard from world leaders on national television with both. Um, it, you know, why do you think there's the perception that the Muslim community isn't condemning enough or isn't being loud enough? We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm John. I'd love to hear your response to that. Why is the perception that the Muslim community is not condemning strongly or harshly enough, um, or are we maybe not getting enough coverage in the media, media of that condemnation? And let's also talk about, speaking of coverage in the media, some of the changes since the last um, uh, attack this past week in San Bernardino last Wednesday, and some of what we're seeing and some of what we are hearing, and uh, whether or not we need more of it. We'll be back with Amjad Mahmoud Khan, adjunct professor at UCLA Law School and a litigation partner at a Los Angeles firm, volunteer for the National Director of Public Affairs for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, USA. We'll be back right after this. here on the Leslie Marshall Show. Now, you've heard me talk about Super Beats, the circulation superfood that I drink every day. I love hearing from you that love it. On Twitter, I had Mike, I had Pete, I had Russ, I had Mark, not my Mark, uh, talk about how they're addicted to it, how Super Beats works, how Super Beats makes them feel better, how people are putting in their second or third orders and how it helps them get through their day, gives them energy, get a better, stronger workout. Super Beats, bottom line, makes a difference. It's time for you to try your first canister, and that first canister, a 30-month day, a 30-day, excuse me, uh, supply, which is one month, is absolutely free. Super Beats is loaded with vegetable dietary nitrates, and they boost nitric oxide levels in your body, and that equals an increase in energy and stamina without the stimulants. Dietary nitrates are incredible for supporting healthy blood pressure, too. And plus, new flavor, black cherry. It is awesome. I feel so confident offering this to you because I've told you, and I'm telling you the truth, every morning I put it in my protein shake. You can mix it in a smoothie, drink it with water, you know, just water. It's it's really that good. Over the next few weeks, log on to LeslieLovesBeats.com. Click the order button next to my picture, or you can call 800-305-6011. 
And because you're my listeners, nobody else is getting this, you'll get one free Super Beats canister that's an extra 30-day supply, a free Beat the Odds book, and free shipping and handling. But this offer will end as any great offer in a short period of time, weeks away. So right now, go to leslielovesbeats.com today. Click the order button next to my picture. Before it all ends, leslielovesbeats.com or 800-305-6011 if you prefer to call. Again, that number, 800-305-6011. Back to our guest and to your calls, 8886-LESLIE is the number. If you'd like to join us and have a question for our guest, Amjad Mahmoud Khan, adjunct professor at UCLA Law School. Amjad, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Um, I'd like you to respond uh, regarding the question that I asked before the break, which is people are saying we need to hear the Muslim community condemn uh, you know, these actions, more condemnation. Um, is there enough condemnation or is, that, is there just not enough coverage of the condemnation or – are some people just going to think the Muslim community is not doing it enough, no matter how much they come out and condemn? I think there's plenty of condemnation. Um, I think that it's very consistent over the past several years, if not longer, where Muslim leaders all over the country, all over the world, have very consistently condemned violent acts committed in the name of Islam. In fact, it's to a point where I, I sort of view it as a condemnation machine where we have to keep coming out and, and starting from scratch and saying we disassociate ourselves from these acts. Um, there's always more that can be done. I, I think, unfortunately, these are heightened times. And when you have such a tragedy that happened in San Bernardino that just is that the community is reeling from, and to have the information that's being surfaced that it's an act of terrorism and the ties, potential ties to ISIS or extremists, then it, there is a, a heightened burden and a responsibility, fairly or unfairly, for Muslim leaders to again come out strongly and vocally condemn. Um, But I think beyond condemnation, what the president has called upon the Muslim community to do, which is a challenge, and it's not just a challenge that came out last night, it's a challenge he began his presidency with in 2009 in his first big speech in Cairo. He said, the sooner the extremists are isolated and unwelcome in Muslim communities, the sooner we will be all safer. And then that continued in his address to the U.N. General Assembly. He had a a summit at the White House on countering violent extremism. Our community was invited. He very clearly said in that summit that, you know, not only should there be more discrediting of the notion that, that, that there's an inherent clash in civilizations and Islamophobia, but that Muslims have a responsibility to speak up more clearly. And then, of course, we, we know about the news conference after the Paris attacks when he actually came out and said, the Muslim community has to think about how we make sure the children are not being infected with the twisted notion of killing innocent people justified by their faith. And then, of course, last night, he very clearly said that, you know, there needs to be not just the condemnation of the acts of violence, but the interpretations of Islam that are incompatible with the values of tolerance, respect, and dignity. I see this consistently, and I followed this president for the past seven years as a challenge by him to all of us in the Muslim community. We should condemn, but we need to have a plan that cuts cuts to the heart of the issue. What are we doing to deal with some very tiny minority of disaffected Muslim millennials who are being recruited by foreign forces and are twisting our faith in nefarious ways. What are we doing about that problem? Okay, what are we and, doing and let's, to stop let's, that problem? And let's talk about that because there are a few things that are different that I'm seeing. For example, I have seen the imam of the mosque that Farouk, Saeed Farouk, attended on national television. You don't normally see that. You don't normally see reporters going in and covering that and uh, interviewing. Um, I also saw family members um, of the uh, terrorist, of the murderers, um, come out and, and, and 
heartfelt and cry. Some people even said online, I was really moved by the brother-in-law and his wife uh, and their apology. You also have Dr. Michael Niki, who is an Iranian Muslim. And before the local SWAT team arrived on the scene of the shooting, he was already there. He arrived minutes after the shooting. He is, um, he said, quote, I hopped in my car with my tactical equipment and went to the scene. And um, he, by the way, is part of the SWAT team. He's also a physician and he's also a Muslim. One of the victims, as we know, shot four times. A bullet still lodged in her stomach was a Muslim who not only worked alongside Saeed Farouk, but also attended the same mosque that he did. Uh, the, 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 the point being, is this what we need more people in the Muslim community, God forbid, after these things coming out? But I mean, what else do we need? You're going to laugh at something I thought about, right? I, online, everybody said it not in my name. And I just thought of a campaign similar. What if there was a public service campaign on television? I know it's costly, but I think the Muslim community needs to invest in this cause, uh, which is to um, open up the mosque to people. I know people do on Friday prayers, but people may be uncomfortable. Seriously, have a carnival or something, obviously not with booze or anything like that. Invite people to meet Muslims, to come uh, to the mosque and the fairgrounds kind of thing. Uh, you know, so uh, ha- have more interfaith discussions. But also, how about some large television PR campaign where it's like, I am a Muslim and you have him in his military garb. I am a Muslim. You have him in his, his doctor's coat. I am a Muslim like you in your suit, you know, if you're a judge with a gavel. And, and let people know we are Americans. We are, Amer- we, are, we are peaceful. We are not terrorist. You know, we are part of this country and we do things to help this country. They're first response. They're a police officer. They're a firefighter. Is that what's needed? And if not, what is? Well, I, I agree. With, I agree with that generally. And in fact, our community held a prayer vigil last Thursday. We had over 300 people. 24 hours after the attack, we had a very clear message. Uh, you know, we we just launched uh, soon to launch in a few weeks here a campaign called True Islam, which sets forth you know uh, basic you know principles that all Muslim communities should should uh, look into uh, values that all Muslims should stand for and 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 I think that campaign that we're we're doing is directly uh, you know focusing on the ideology that that exists from ISIS and others and it's countering that ideology very specifically and I think we my my point hey, is wait, wait, that talk, talk to me sorry to interrupt uh, talk to me about specifically because I know when people say Islam is a religion of peace I know that I believe that I understand that but there are people out there that go really or roll their eyes because especially, and I think it's terrible when the press does this, I don't care if it's right or left-leaning, I've heard MSNBC do it, I've heard NPR do it, and they'll say the Muslim couple. Is that something the media needs to stop? Because in my opinion, terrorists have no religion. I agree 100% with that. I think there needs to be way better terminology. I've heard even respectable uh, journalists, even years ago, when, when the Zarnayev brothers committed the acts, Tom Brokaw used the word Islamic rage. And, you know, of course, he's well-respected and well-known. And I'm very, very critical um, of those who, who, who would clumsily use terminology that implicates the faith or all Muslims. So I, I do think there's a terminology issue. But well, No, no, let's, what, uh, sorry. Let's go with that for one second. Okay, my husband was raised in a Muslim family, does not practice. Um, however, you know, his mother wears a huge job. His parents play, pray five times a day, and they're uh, retired uh, physicians. And my father-in-law, general surgery ER physician, saved thousands of lives. And 
my mother-in-law, an ob who delivered over 3,000 children in this country into the world, healthy, all alive, thriving. Um, b- bottom line here, do we need the terminology to change, and does the Muslim community need to do that and work with law enforcement, politicians, and media? Example. Yes, if ISIS absolutely. is referred to as jihadist rather than radicalized Muslims or rather than Islamists, if ISIS is if terrorists are just referred to as jihadists and Muslims are Muslim or Muslims I, I, are followers of Islam, it, it, can we eventually that, can we eventually get it changed? I mean, African-Americans were once, once called blacks. Native Americans were once called Indians. Flight attendants were once called stewardesses. I say that because terminology I mean, there is a political correctness climate in our country, and that could be accomplished, couldn't it? And would it make a difference? I think we should have a terminology change. I take exception with the phrase jihadist, because jihad is a very spiritually charged word in Islam. It it has beautiful and deep meanings, and it refers to a spiritual struggle of one soul. Every Muslim wages a jihad every day to, to, to kind of purify themselves and lead on a straight path. So to allow the terrorists to have that word and to have millions of Americans uh, equate that word with the terrorist, I think, moves us backwards. I think we should avoid the word radical Islam. I think we should u- avoid the word Islamic rage. Um, but I think we should focus in on the behavior of some who pervert Islam. And I think that's what the deliberate phrase that the president used, a perversion, a militant perversion of Islam. And I think that the faith is not what defines these people's acts. As the president said, they are thugs, uh, they are terrorists, and this transcends any one religion. Um, so I, I think we we have to have a, a real a scrutiny on, on the language that's being used by the media and by our political leaders. Unfortunately, the Muslim-American issue uh, is, is unfor- uh, uh, an issue of that it's political football. I mean, I think that in this election cycle, you know, Muslim-Americans have been used in a way that, that fits and suits certain narratives that are anti-immigrant, and that's terrible, registering Muslims, saying Muslims can't be president of the United States, right. and all sorts of other, we, we know about all of these, uh, you know, uh, unfortunate uh, allegations or aspersions against the entire community. But given all of that, even if you have a name change or a terminology change, rather, I think that just is a start. I think what we need is, is a more more streamlined campaign that focuses in on the behavior of disaffected youth. And actually, we have a Stop the Crisis campaign in our community. It's, it's a play on words, crisis with ISIS in it. We're going to university campuses, and we, we're focusing on principles that are completely opposite of the narrative that ISIS advances. We have an 11-point 11, 11 true Islam campaign we're about to launch that true Islam rejects all forms of terrorism. True Islam believes in nonviolent jihad of the self. A jihad of the pen. But, but with all due respect, and these yeah. are wonderful things, A, is that enough? And B, will that be believed again? Because, it, you know, people going, you know, we're not terrorists. It's, it, it's a religion of peace. And, you know, you, you, you talk about the poll where more than half of Americans polled have a negative view of Islam. How do you change the view of, of these people? Will this camp, will these campaigns you're talking about do that? Are you confident it will do that? It will if, if, if Americans meet Muslims. We know that the data suggests the more Americans meet Muslims, the, less, the more favorable view they have of them. These 56% of people who have a negative view of Islam, the majority of them have never met a Muslim. And, and, it, would be the same, and it was the same for the gay community, for the black community. Yes, I, I agree with you there. How does this campaign address that? 
it addresses it because we, I think we should open our mosques and have an interfaith discussion, an honest discussion about extremism generally, and that's affecting all communities, and have a discussion around the gun culture, about gun control, things that transcend any one religion or race or ethnicity or group of people. But do it at mosques, because I think people are afraid of mosques. When we opened up our our mosque, which we've done for 30 years, most of our neighbors know us, so we don't have to start over or start from scratch. But we had a lot of media who came, and, and they were asking questions about whether they can even set foot in the prayer hall. What, you know, they, they, they were weary of, of what they can actually go and what they can actually see and who can they talk to. And when we told them it's an open mosque, you can speak to whoever you like, um, it, it really kind of disabused the notion that somehow Muslims are the other or they're strange. And I think this goes for any immigrant community that's being persecuted. The more, and particularly now with Muslim Americans, the more you get to know a Muslim American, the less likely you're going to have these views. And I think that we have to open the mosques uh, all the time, not just when there's a negative story. And there needs to be a responsibility upon those who are trying to seek a positive image of Muslims to run stories about things that Muslim communities are doing. We're holding a blood drive on December 13th. We've been had this campaign, Muslims for Life, which we're saying the only blood Muslims should shed is to save lives, not to take lives. And we've held blood drives, you know, 26, 27,000 bags of blood in three or four years. We do it on 9-11. We do it at Capitol Hill. Uh, members of Congress give get, donate blood. I mean, these are very positive messages that need to be propelled in the media. And the formula is meet a Muslim, open your mosques, uh, understand the terminology and the appropriate terminology to use, distance Muslim communities, the vast majority who are doing great things for the community from the acts of thugs, and do not equate the acts of extremists so readily with the vast majority of Muslims. And American Muslims, for their part, need to be much more vocal. Of course there's Islamophobia. Of course that's terrible. And we will go about condemning that. But don't use that as a crutch. Let's move forward to try to deal with the root causes. Um, I, I would uh, agree with you there, absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking that mosques may not be the best place to invite people simply because if people have very negative ideas of Muslims or Islam, they may be fearful to go there, however warped uh, those ideas may be, or however warped where the information comes from. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people getting their information from Facebook, Twitter, you know, or blogs. Uh, I not if there's law enforcement, Leslie. Not if law enforcement are invited and are, you know, the heroes who defended us were among those in the attendance at our mosque, and we have great relationships with the San Bernardino County Sheriff. There needs to be a partnership with law enforcement of the folks who are protecting us as well. And when people see law enforcement and political officials present alongside community leaders at a mosque, uh, I do agree there needs to be vigilance, but at the same time, I think that's a, the right venue to hold an event like this so that there could be a dialogue and there could be a productive you know, space for people to really air their issues and, and try to learn about the community. And we felt that. We had well over 100 guests, many of whom I've never met before, leaving with a sense of, of positivity that we are partners in trying to stop this. All right. Uh, Amjad, thank you for taking the time. I know you're very busy. Amjad Mahmood Khan, he's an adjunct professor at UCA Law School. Follow him on Twitter at WaxEloquent, W-A-X-E-L-O-Q-U-E-N-T. He is a litigation partner at a firm in Los Angeles as well and also volunteers as National Director of Public Affairs for the Ahmadiyya Muslim Community USA. He's one of the leaders of the Baitul Hamid Mosque in Chino. It is San Bernardino's county's largest mosque with over 2,000 members. Uh, he, and he's also testified before uh, Congress on anti-blasphemy laws, international religious freedom as well.